This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 8.15 and 10.30 a.m. for Holy Communion and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Children are a heritage from the Lord. This phrase from our psalm today in Psalm 127 verse 3 speaks well to the response we read today of Hannah and the birth of her son Samuel. Continue this week with the book of 1 Samuel. And last week in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 1 through 18 we encountered the travails of Hannah and her faithful response. Instead of going the worldly route through meeting the sin that was wrought against her with sin against the person that was sinning against her, we read that Hannah poured her soul out unto the Lord in the Lord's house. As we read, Eli the high priest blessed her after hearing that she was praying. We continue our series in this important book today with the answer to Hannah's prayer. Her response to this answered prayer and her prayer, her song, if you will, in the context of worship after presenting the weaned Samuel to the Lord's service. Let us focus this morning on this Sanctity of Life Sunday on the children of God, whether we're infants, whether we're in the womb, or to advanced age. In the last part of this chapter, verses 19 through 28, that we read today, we read that God honored Hannah's prayer for a son. She said, I have asked for him from the Lord. And Samuel sounds like the Hebrew word meaning heard of God. She informed her husband then of her vow that she had made, that she would give a son to the Lord after he was weaned. Verses 24 through 25 records what happens next. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. Note here that it said Samuel was young. For the Jewish people, a weaned child was considered to be around the end of the child's second year of life. This is important in the next line. In verse 28, it closes this chapter and informs us of the course of Samuel's life thereafter. We read, therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. For the time of the judges, which this book, 1 Samuel, takes place in, this sort of devotion from a woman and a family outside the priestly tribe of Levi was rare. In a time of selfishness, this outpouring to the Lord was true gratitude for the love of God. As Romans chapter 12 verse 2 states, we are not to be conformed to this world. Conformance to this world is to believe that we can do as we please when we please. 
Hannah, on the other hand, submitted everything to Almighty God, even her beloved son. We live in very similar times to the times of the judges, where people do as they please. They do what is right in their own eyes, pursuing every sinful desire, giving their lives as sacrifices to the gods of this world, to the gods of self. For Hannah, the way of God, the way of grace, of serving Almighty God by not conforming to rebellion was to honor her promise to God through giving her son to the Lord, her firstborn son, to the service of God. In many ways, all of us as God's people are called to give our children, to give ourselves to serve Almighty God. This giving of our children to God, whether it was Hannah or whether it is us today, is something that is continual. We read this in the first two verses of 1 Samuel chapter 2. We see the importance of worship in connection to raising godly children, to raising God's children in his care. See, a consistent participation in worship with our children provides a continual witness to our children. This places God at the center of the existence of the child because the parents give up their time to come on the first day of the week to worship the Lord. Love, our love for our children, our love for God, must be sacrificial, must be giving our time to Almighty God that first loved us. Participating with our children along with the whole body of Christ, the church, is an act of love. Our worship centers on these words of Hannah at the end of verse 1 that we read today. Because I rejoice in your salvation. For the rest of the years that are entrusted to us to raise God's children, worship is at the center. For us as Christians, it's the start of the week, Sunday, where we remember, where we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, where we come together to participate in his supper. Together as a people of faith, we participate in worship with gratitude for the children we are given. The same is true for all of us as godparents, all of us as fellow believers. We've all vowed at every baptism we've been to to raise the children in the faith, to uphold the parents to raise their children in the faith in Jesus Christ. Worship serves as a continual reminder of our duties to each other and our duties to our, parent, to our children, to raise them to know the love of God to raise them to reply to this love with thanksgiving, with worship. The raising of children in Jesus Christ begins when they're weak, when they can't fend for themselves, when they can't feed themselves. In the womb, as infants, it does not start when they come to an age of reason or an age of accountability. As we read in Hannah's prayer in verse 3 through 11 today, she said, the feeble bind on strength. The theme throughout the Bible is that God elevates the least, the weak, the meek, to do his will. He does this repeatedly over worldly objections that the strongest in our estimation should be doing the hard work, the honorable work. One theme we will see consistently throughout the book of 1 Samuel 
is how God ultimately raises up the meek and the weak to be his people, to do his will. The Christian mindset is to see even the infant as fully God's for us as Christian parents to raise as God's children. See, we do not own our children. Our psalm today in verse 3 ratifies this idea that these are the children of God. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the, the womb, a reward. Paul David Tripp wrote the following about parenting and children. He said, good parenting, which does what God intends it to do, begins with this radical and humbling recognition that our children don't actually belong to us. Rather, every child in every home, everywhere on the globe, belongs to the one who created him or her. Children are God's possession for his purpose. That means that his plan for parents is that we would be his agents in the lives of these that have been formed into his image and entrusted to our care. The mindset is counter to this world. See, the worldly pagan mindset is that children are the property of the family or of the state to use as deemed necessary to advance the agenda of the family or the agenda of the state. The ways of the family and the state that reject Jesus Christ vehemently oppose what we read today in 1 Samuel 2, verse 3. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. It is pride and arrogance to claim children as our personal property or for the state to claim them as their property. When the mindset is that children are property, it's little wonder that we have abortion on demand in the womb and it's considered a choice, a right for parents and for the state. If our property, the pagan mindset, is to do with our property as we please, as a choice. It's a different matter if children, if all of us, are not considered property, but made in the image of God, as God's children. In ancient times, the family unit was often the extent of the government, and the expectation for children as soon as possible was for the advancement and the defense of the family. Over time, in paganism, this ex expanded to the point that the children of families served the agendas of the kingdoms and the governments, regardless of what the parents expected. Such views of children and people in a country have revived where governments have drifted back to the pagan mindset of ownership of its people. It all begins with the individual stating, as we read at the end of the book of Judges, I will do what is right in my own eyes. I will do as I please. See, the only outcome of such rebellion against God on the individual level is that it expands to the point that the rebellious end up turning in on themselves to oppress each other. The way of the cross, of Hannah submitting to the love of God, is to see our lives as God's, for him to use our life to spread the gospel to the ends of the world. This is for all of us, whether infants or if we're advanced in years. It's for all of us. We are God's children. As St. John Chrysostom wrote, I am a Christian. 
He who answers thus has declared everything at once, his country, profession, family. The believer belongs to no city on earth, but to the heavenly Jerusalem. The mindset and heart set of the faithful under King Jesus are to give our lives in sacrificial love. Even our children as living sacrifices, as Hannah gave to the service of the Lord, as we give in the sacrament of holy baptism. Another reason that we baptize our babies is to declare to this wicked world that officially they are not their property, but they are God's children, part of the heavenly Jerusalem. It is to acknowledge God is over all as Hannah prayed today. In verse 6, the Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. Note the imagery that Paul uses in Romans 6 about baptism. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In this ideal, when we present our children for baptism, we do so not halfway, but as Hannah, giving them to, to Almighty God, to be surrounded by his loving body, the church, from the very beginning of life, with the baptismal font at the entrance of the church. It signifies that once we pass through the waters, we have full rights to enter God's house as God's children and the property of no one. The imagery of entering the house of God with our children is powerful. Just as it was for Hannah entering the house of the Lord as she gave Samuel to the service of God. Every time we enter this house, we bring both our children and ourselves as living sacrifices submitted to King Jesus. The symbolism of entering his house of worship is a full surrender to him. It is a powerful and countercultural witness to enter his house to worship. When we baptize our children, we publicly give them to God to worship God. We state with obedient and submissive actions in the sacrament of baptism that these children are his, that we all are his. The way of Christ is that he lifts up the weak in his power to serve him, to serve each other. This is why the epistle today is so important. All the gifts given to us are to be fostered in all of us, whether they're infants or the oldest. As we read in verse 6, according to the grace given to us, we are to use these gifts. These gifts are many and are needed for the entire church. They're freely given to us. They are not to be hoarded for my personal use or the personal use of my family, but for the use of the entire church. As Paul said, let us use them. And further in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Our connection with each other in the church through the tangible expressions Jesus gave us of baptism and holy communion. Acts of worship find expression perfectly today in our epistle in verses 9 and 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. 
Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Hannah's action of giving Samuel to God's service after weaning him was connected to worship, to the house of God. The message of holy baptism is dying to sin and being raised anew in Christ. Hannah, in giving her son to the service of God in his house, provides us with a powerful message to meditate upon in baptizing our children to be fully part, not partially part, but fully part of God's church, the body of Christ. Baptism is the tangible expression Jesus gave us to enter his church, to enter his body. We do not just say we are part. We state we are part through submission to a tangible expression and action publicly. Baptism gives us access to his life in the body. Baptism gives us access to the table and Holy Communion as we read in the liturgy and the exhortation as pledges of his love and for a continual remembrance of his death to our great and endless comfort. Hannah's action of prayer in the context of worship after giving her son to God is what we do every time we enter these doors, renewing our commitment to Jesus Christ, renewing our commitment to raise the children God has given us to raise as his, thanking him anew. It is a most wonderful expression of God's love to see all of us as children of all ages to enter the house of the Lord, to enter this house in worship and veneration and deep gratitude for his love. It's a most powerful witness to the world that is full of the pagan mindset that children are its sole possession. Now these are the children of God. We are the children of God brought into his house to worship Jesus Christ as Lord and King. As Jesus said in Matthew, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. The message of the little children is answered every time we come to the house of God with worship and worship with our children. For it's a renewed promise by bringing them with us that they are not ours, that they are not the state's, but they are God's children as we are God's children to worship our king. This action is genuine love. This action abhors evil. This action holds fast to what is good. Amen.